we turn to the gospel today and we find that Jesus' disciples are still very much transfixed by the, by the blood of Jesus that they've seen on the cross, trying to comprehend the reality of Jesus' resurrection and struggling with, with that reality. If you are able to stand, would you stand now and um, receive the gospel with, with appreciation? John chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We celebrated Easter a week ago. Was it... Was it just a week ago? Remember the story? It began in darkness when the empty tomb was discovered and the first assumption was that Jesus' body had been stolen. The story unfolded quietly among Jesus' followers as the reality of Jesus' resurrection slowly dawned upon him. They were not convinced by the empty tomb but they were convinced by their encounters with the living Christ. Some, Even so, some were quicker to understand than others. Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus that morning. And as the sun set on that Easter day, the disciples were still struggling to comprehend what had happened. They were gathered behind closed doors, closed and locked, fearful that those who had done Jesus in would be coming after them too. Undoubtedly, it was a crowded room, 
a small place. And Jesus appeared there among them without notice until he spoke to them. No doubt his common greeting. Peace be with you. And then he showed them who he was by pointing them to his wounds. Then comes the part of the story that everybody remembers. All of this high drama is upstaged by a more personal story. There was one disciple who was not present when Jesus appeared that Easter evening. He showed up later. Perhaps he had a different hiding place. Thomas said that unless he saw Jesus himself and saw and touched his wounds, he would not believe it. And the story quickly shifts to a week later, just like we are today, a week later. Thomas was with the disciples that day when Jesus appeared to them again. The suggestion is they're they're in the same room, hiding out in the same place. And Jesus speaks directly to Thomas and invites him to examine and touch his wounds. Then Jesus says to him, stop your doubting and believe. And from that time on, this disciple has been called Doubting Thomas. But I think, I think that's something of an unfair label to put on this man. You see, I think Thomas was a lot like you and me. And, and we are not doubters. Not in many ways, a great variety of ways. We're not doubters. I don't think Thomas was doubting as much as he was demanding, uh, just like we are. Not so much doubting as demanding. I think, I think Thomas deserves much more credit than he's given for his leadership and his decisiveness among the disciples. If, if you'll take a closer look at him with me for just a moment, I think you'll see what I mean. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us nothing about Thomas, except to mention his name as one of the disciples. It is in the fourth Gospel, in John, that Thomas takes on some character. He is usually referred to as Thomas, who is called Didymus. Thomas in Hebrew and Didymus in Greek are both words that mean twin. Today, Thomas is familiar to us as a personal name, but it wasn't a personal name in Jesus' time. This disciple's name was not Thomas. Thomas was a nickname attached to his real name to indicate that he was one of a pair of twins. It's likely that this disciple's name was Judas, because in other references to him, both in the New Testament and outside the New Testament, he is referred to as Judas Thomas, Judas the twin. If this is so, it's easy to understand why the scripture would refer to him only as Thomas. They wanted to differentiate him from the other disciple whose name was Judas, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. The interesting fact is that that no place in the New Testament is Thomas referred to as the doubter. 
He's never given that label in the New Testament. The only place that that word occurs in connection with Thomas is here where Jesus says, stop your doubting and believe. But Jesus doesn't call him a doubter. He may have been a slow starter in coming to believe that Jesus was alive after his, after his death. But the story, but, but like the story of the tortoise and the hare, Thomas pulled out way ahead in the end. He was the first to recognize Jesus as my Lord and my God. We encountered that in this passage. When Jesus appeared to his disciples a week after the resurrection, when Thomas was with them, he called Jesus my Lord and my God. It seems to me that Thomas deserves a bit more credit for that confession than he deserves disdain for a brief episode of hesitation. Thomas was not by all the evidence that we have, Thomas was not an uncertain, doubting person. He was a man of strong opinions. He was a decisive man of action. There there are two other incidents in John's gospel where Thomas was involved. I think you know of them, but let me recall them to you. When Jesus was called upon to go to the side of his friend Lazarus, who was sick and dying, a trip that involved going in the direction of Jerusalem, where the authorities, both Jewish and Roman, were were determined and threatening to take charge of Jesus. When, When Jesus was called upon to go to his friend Lazarus, who was dying, he didn't go right away. In, in, and in the minds of his disciples, the conversation that took place around that was going toward Jerusalem to reach Lazarus would be reckless at best and suicidal at worst. Disciples, Jesus' disciples discouraged him from going to Bethany to see Lazarus because of the danger of getting closer to his enemies. But when Jesus indicated his, his intention to go to Bethany, despite the danger, it was Thomas who spoke up. And he stood alone with Jesus against the rest of the disciples. Thomas said, let us go with him that we may die with him. What, what do they say about, um, um, about the torpedoes? Full speed ahead? That was Thomas's attitude. Full speed ahead. That was not the action of a doubter. That was a decisive, courageous decision. The daring demand of a very determined man who understood Jesus and what Jesus was about. And then the second incident is when Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room. The night before Jesus died. And Jesus was talking to them about the inevitability of the cross and his suffering and his death, the difficult and dangerous way that lay before all of them. Thomas once more spoke to Jesus and on his behalf, Jesus was telling them which way he was going and where he had to go. And Thomas objected, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Not the state, not a statement of doubt, but a demand. A demand to know the precise details of the dangers and the difficulties that they would have to face. Not so they could run the other way, but so they could keep up with Jesus. So they could follow him. Thomas was, was not the kind of person who was 
uncertain and doubting. He was a man of action, a decisive man of action. He wanted to know what was going on so he could follow Jesus closely and stay with him. He wanted to be with Jesus no matter what the dangers and the threats were. So come move ahead with me again to this Easter evening. The disciples announced to Jesus, we have seen the Lord. And he responded by saying he wouldn't believe until he himself had seen and touched Jesus. It's as if Thomas were saying to them, sure you saw him. Sure you saw him. Or at least you said you did. But but did, did any of you reach out and touch him to make sure he was real and, and not just a figment of your collective imaginations? Did you reach out to see if he was more than just a ghost or an apparition? Well, that may have been enough for you, but if the Lord appeared to me, if if I had seen him myself, I would have demanded not only to see him, but to touch him. That would be proof positive to me that he was really here. You see, it's it's entirely possible that, that Thomas was not calling the fact of Jesus' resurrection into question. He was not doubting the reality of Jesus' presence. But it's entirely likely that Thomas was questioning the reliability of the other disciples' story. Thomas was saying that he wanted more of an experience of Jesus. And, and, and he wanted more of a knowledge of Jesus' presence than they did. He didn't only want to see, he wanted to touch. And, and I want to suggest to you that it, it was that demand that gives us a clue to Thomas's character. He may be a doubter indeed. But even more than that, he was a demander. He was stubborn and obstinate and practical-minded. He was a proof-oriented person. He was a faithful, unwavering friend, determined in his demand for an experience that exceeded what the other disciples were willing to settle for. He wanted to be closer to Jesus than they dared. So, So Thomas was not so much a doubter as a demander, more a faithful friend than a fearful follower. And in that, unfortunately, Thomas had made faith even more difficult for himself. Thomas made it hard on himself to believe and trust and follow Jesus. He wasn't willing to trust anybody else, to follow anyone else's lead. Thomas made it hard, he made it harder on himself. During um, the early days of our country's revolution, a young soldier was separated from his company and was attempting to make it back to the safety of the fort. But in the wilderness, there was no path to follow, no roads in those early days. Only the slowly setting sun gave him the general direction that he needed to travel to get back to his fort. And then, then suddenly, out of nowhere, an Indian scout appeared on a horse beside him. He was not certain whether to trust this Indian or not. But in the wild, dangerous territory of undeveloped North America, he was glad for the companionship of even a doubtful friend. As they rode toward the setting sun and in the direction of the fort, they came to a river swollen by recent rains. 
The water was wild and swift, filled with jagged rocks and slippery boulders. But the young soldier knew that the fort was directly across the rapids. He could see the top of its towers from where he stood. But the Indian pointed downstream. He pointed to a curve in the river and he indicated that down there, beyond the bend, the river is wide and shallow, much better for crossing. The young soldier looked down the river. It, it was quite a distance to the bend and, and he was not sure what possible dangers might lie in wait for him along the wooded banks on this hostile side of the river. No, he indicated to the scout, no, I'll go this way. I'll go the direct route, the route that I can see, the way that I can see, straight across the river. Well, the Indian left him there and moved slowly downstream toward the bend. And the young soldier plunged into the river. The current struck him with stupendous force, knocking him immediately off his horse. Frantically, he fought the raging current. He was thrown against a boulder and he heard his arms snap. And the jagged rocks cut into his legs and his sides. He clutched a rock until he regained some of his strength to painfully make his way slowly from rock to rock, boulder to boulder, across the raging stream. And he struggled on, determined, until he reached the other side of the river and and crawled out onto the muddy bank, exhausted, cut and bruised, his broken arm throbbing with pain. From that vantage point, he could look down the river and see beyond the bend. And there, as the scout had said, the river was wide and calm, and he laid there recovering his strength while he watched his Indian friend easily and comfortably ride his horse across the shallow waters. That was Thomas's story. Thomas is the one who took the hard way. And often, that's our story too. There are many ways to come to faith in Jesus. Many ways to develop and deepen an acquaintance with God through Christ. Many ways for us to foster an understanding of God's intentions and purposes for us and our lives and for our world. One option is to forge our own way through the doubts and demands as Thomas did. To go our own way and to find our own way. But other ways, other ways include developing an ability to trust. To trust the experience of others. To trust God. To develop an attitude of obedience where where obeying God is of more importance than having my own demands met and my own needs satisfied. In the days after the resurrection, followers of Jesus had a strong trust that their leader was still alive. If if they had not trusted Jesus, there would be no Christian movement across the stretches of the Roman world. There would have been no church, no gospels, no scripture, no memory of Jesus and his transforming life. But all of these things, all that we enjoy and appreciate and often take for granted today, 
is built upon those who were willing to trust. Those disciples who were willing to abandon safety and give their lives away for the sake of Christ and his church. That's the kind of trusting, the kind of following that we need to develop. This is the better way to faith. It's not always easy, but the journey of of ministry is far more faithful and productive when we can focus more on Jesus and his call than on ourselves. We can advance much more quickly in our faith and our faithfulness if we are willing to trust and obey than if we, if we insist on having our own demands and our own needs met. Remember the, the last thing that Jesus said to Thomas? Jesus said, in effect, have you only believed in me because your demands have been met? Blessed are those who have learned to trust me and each other. Do you believe in me only because your demands and your needs have been met? Blessed are those who have learned to trust me for who I am. And to trust each other as we seek to follow. Have you believed because you've seen me, Jesus asked. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Amen.